This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Nassman Hockey Podcast after a week off. Uh, and we missed, coincidentally, we missed our three-year anniversary yeah. of the show, of, of our first episode. Um, so thank you, everybody, to for coming along on this journey with us. I know we've kind of been a little sappy lately for a bunch of different reasons, but... Um, I don't know. I, it seems weird. That's a big milestone. It's season four of the show because um, we've had four seasons since we've been uh, of Islander Hockey since we started the show and the pandemic and different things. But it's uh, it's been a journey. This It's a lot of ebbs and flow and, and content creation. I know people get sick of hearing that. I get sick of hearing that. But it's it's difficult. Uh, James, did you think we'd, we'd get this far? Do you think we'd be... Season four, 143 episodes in. Um, yeah, I I did. There was a point where I was like, "This is gonna take us to the moon." Um, so I was definitely, I definitely felt like we were gonna get here. But like, looking back on what it took to get here and how much work it, you know, we put into it, like it's it's time consuming. Like this isn't, you know, you you, you can't just sit down and like hit record and like that's it. Like you're you're good to go. Talk for a few minutes and then like it's done like there's prep there's post recording work to be done and you know there's just a lot goes into it it's definitely consuming but it's worth it like i love doing this like i look forward to sitting down and just talking about this stuff for an hour or so yeah i mean now that i'm not writing i definitely look forward to this more than than i was when i was doing a lot of different islander stuff so i i definitely i like i said i look forward to this a little bit a little bit more it's easier to sit down and you know i i write the script before the notes or whatever it's it is nice i wasn't sure how how long we'd go three years is a long time to do anything um we did think it was going to take us to the moon we had a really big start you know the islanders were doing really well and playoff runs and um joining the hockey podcast network was was really great they're they've been amazing partners um isles fix kind of coming on and in season four, or the beginning of season four, maybe it was last year. I can't even remember. They, I mean, it's been almost a year with them as well, and and they've been great partners. Make sure you check out their book, Joe Pin, Joe uh, Buono's book, um, Islanders A to Z. Uh, Islanders just tweeted about it, which is really sick that he's got that partnership together, and uh, pr- I'm proud of that. It seems like such a the Islanders community just continues to do kind of that homegrown thing. And that relationship that the team has with the community and the fans and the media and everything is, is amazing. Like, I don't know other teams that are doing that kind of stuff. 
No, I mean, you're right. And, you know, just congrats to Joe and, and to, uh, uh, I forget his, who, the, the graphic designer's name. I know his, his name on uh, Twitter is at graphics. I think his name is also Joe, actually, actually if I'm uh, thinking about it. Uh, congrats to both Joes for uh, writing and, and creating this really fantastic book. He sent me a copy. I actually have it sitting right here. And he's going to come on the show and, and talk about it. Um, we should do we should do that soon yeah uh, it's a little little blurry because i got this blur effect on but uh i don't just a to z he sent me a copy really uh gracious of him to do um tell you what i i, I opened it up and you know my, i was I had my daughter on my lap and seven months old these the, the images just popped to her and she was just like oh this is like you know flapping her her arms like this is great give me more of this um that's so, cool. Tell, tell you what, like if you're an Islander fan and you're looking to uh, get your your kids into the Islanders. This is a great segue. Sure. That's awesome. Uh, but, you know, before we get into uh, some Islander hockey, I know you want to talk about your tattoos. You were getting a lot of attention <laughs> with your I don't even know what whatever cartoon character. Oh, action be nice. figure. I, I honestly don't know what I don't know what it is. Is it Dragon Ball right. Z? No, 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 no. I have one of those already. But um, no, I growing up was a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. Oh, right. Um, it was Power Rangers. It was. It was. And huge fan growing up. And recently, Boom Studios, which is a, a comic book uh, publishing company, uh, has created this more adult-like version of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers via comic books. Um same characters and everything with some new additions, right? And uh, the is there a character... Green Ranger? We need yes. to know. Yes, He's... there's a Green they're... Ranger. They're back. There's... They're... Yeah, no, it's the original. The original. Well, they that run. I so we're going. Wait, we're going back here. Back to when they would cut to. I don't know if there's a Japanese version or yeah, some other the... version. Was... It was and first. it would yeah it would kind of cut in between where there, like, yeah. there were the the American actors. And then they would cut to these other weird scenes where they would do like the actual like flips and stuff. And yeah. Then, so, and so it was really funny is the quality of the video would change. So different. Like very, very obviously. Right. Because the, the thing is, the thing is the the original tapings of the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in Japan were it began in like the late 1980s. And the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the American version came over to this side of the pond um, in the early 90s, I believe it, sp- it started in 95. So mid 90s started in 95. Um, and all the choreography of like the fight scenes, at least in the early goings of the show, were the Japanese versions and everything. I with still the remember helm- those. Like yeah. they were in these gray mesh suits. And stuff. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so long story longer. Um the the comic book version that they've made has brought back the original American cast, you know, via comic book and added some new characters. And one of the characters, there's a there's a Green Ranger, there's a White Ranger, and then there is a character called Lord Draken, who's like a fuse of the Green and the White Ranger, and he's evil. Um, and he just looks so badass. I I, just, I love the design and you know, he's a he's a dark character. He's a, it's a little more adult like the, the comic book, and there's just some really cool storylines that they've embedded into the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers that like I I you know the TV show would never go in, in this direction and the fact that the comic book did it just like grabbed me right away. I actually have uh, uh 
issue number zero, the first issue that ever came out of this comic book line. Um, in still in the plastic, I, I won't open it. There was like variant covers of it. I got like the the special edition Green Ranger variant cover. Uh, yeah, super nerd right now, but like I, I love that stuff. That so cool. on my like leg, throwback nineties thing. Yeah, I love it. So like on my leg this weekend, I got one of the famous images of Lord Draken just sitting on his throne because at, at some point. Um, he takes over the morphing grid and and that's like, you know, how the the Power Rangers are connected and they can morph and stuff like that and they get their powers through. Um, and he takes over the morphing grid and he, the rest of the world in turn and he's sitting on his throne. It's just a really solid uh, looking image that I thought would look really badass on my shin. And uh, I got it. And it's like from my ankle to like my kneecap. It's huge. <laughs> I was going to say, it looked, it looked quite, quite large. Yeah, it's big. Uh, do you my, have my artist? Piece? Do you have... Go ahead. On on the yeah, on the back of like mirroring that, I have the original or one of the original bad guys from the TV show who's also in the comic book Lord Zed. Uh so I'm going with like an evil dark theme here on my on my leg. Um also on his throne. I, I thought it was just a really cool thing to do to have them mirroring each other, two of like the big bads of the the comic book and TV show. Um, you know, just mirroring each other there. So uh, yeah, really, it's going with like a dark theme there. Interesting. Who plays the big face on the TV screen in the comic book? Like, is that does that that character still exist? Oh, Zordon, you're talking about Zordon. I ne- gun to my head would never have remembered that. Do you know who? Do you know who played Zordon originally? Was it like uh? James Earl Jones, because he always like just because that's a weird guess. No, no. Brian Cranston. I know it. No kidding. They like really. Brian Cranston was in. Yep. He was not only was he uh, Zordon, but he was also multiple monsters in costume that the Power Rangers would fight. That was like one of his original gigs. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. For, For those of you that don't know. He's the Breaking Bad guy, or yeah. Earlier than that, the Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm deck. in the Middle. Yep. <laughs> so, which is, which is interesting. Um, yep. I got to go back. I would never have placed that. Never. He's, I would never so have made that connection. He's. It's funny, like how because there was a couple of Zordons. He like wasn't the first. Um, but he was one of them and yeah, it, it was very, when I found out too, I was like, Oh my God, I did not know that. <laughs> so cool stuff. Wow. Where- that, that's a cool piece of, uh, trivia for sure. Yeah. I don't know that anyone would know. Am I, that's like, I wonder if that's his earliest role. Like that, mu- that must predate yeah. or the same time as Malcolm in the middle. I have, I honestly don't know when that show came out either. Um, I feel like it was just always existent, existed in my life. <laughs> so I have, I have no idea. Anyway, we're like 10 minutes in. We got to talk about some Islander, Islander stuff here. So if you're watching the show on YouTube, you'll notice I'm in full 1993 mode in my Islanders gear. Got my Casper jersey on. Got my ridiculous hat that doesn't really quite fit right. I don't know if people's heads were different. In the early 90s, it's just a weird shape. It just like doesn't fit. 
Um, I don't like a hat that's too deep, but this is very, very shallow and it like falls off my head. Um, but anyway, there's a reason for this. It's because this team, this current Islanders team fighting for a playoff spot, and we're not going to go too deep into this. I do want to touch on this is foreboding for our, for our conversation later, but I think this team's a lot like that 93 team where there's a couple of stars uh, obviously, like Glenn Healy is not Ilya Sorokin. I don't think I, you can, you know, compare compare them or Kelly Rudy. I forget which one. Um, but this team is a lot like them. They're scrappy. They have a couple really good players, um, and they really could be a team that that kind of makes some noise unexpectedly. Uh, so that team went all the way to the the conference finals, uh, eventually losing to the Cup champions that year at Montreal Canadiens. But they knock off. The Penguins, who were defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. So this team reminds me of them. I don't know where they finished, but that's why I'm I'm all in my garb here. Um, but on to this year's Islanders. On to fully 30 years later. That hurt to say. 30 years later, we're a, a week past the trade deadline or a little bit less than a week past the trade deadline. We didn't have a show last week. Thank you for your patience and coming back. Um, I was traveling and scheduling and we're back and who cares? So I, I do want to talk about that. Islanders and and kind of otherwise, there was a really big exodus from the Western conference to the Eastern conference. There's a lot of skill and the West was wide open, I think anyway, but there was a lot of skill that left the Western Conference and came to the East, which was already tight. Like the Western, the the wild card race is tight, but even at the top of the divisions, like they're they're pretty they're fighting for um, home ice advantage. Like I don't think Tampa or Toronto are going to catch Boston, but the Metro divisions kind of open. Like the the Rangers and Devils could go on a streak here to, to end the season, twenty or so games remaining. And maybe catch the the Hurricanes, so they they might be fighting for playing one of the wild card seeds, um, which would be exciting if if the Islanders are one of them, um, and they get to play who is ever in the Metro. But what do you think about that exodus from the Western Conference of all that talent? I I think it was just like, um, you know, the the, the West was, uh, or I guess the the trades with the West were just a casualty of what some of the teams are dealing with over there, like. The Avalanche, right? They were expected to maybe go get like a second line center, but they knew Gabriel Landskog was coming back and his timetable is a little bit fuzzy, so they don't know what their money situation is going to look like. Um, the Wild are, you know, cap strapped because they have like $14 million between Suter and Parise buyouts, and it's only go- it's only growing next year. So they, they, they knew they couldn't take on any more money, and in fact, they brokered deals instead to just accrue capital. Um you know, so these teams are dealing with different situations than what the teams in the in the East are, are dealing with. Um, and, and, you know, some of them out there, too. I don't know. Maybe they, they felt the better play for them was to not do anything overzealous for them. That would that would put them in a hole. I know like like L.A. did a pretty big move where they got Corpusalo and uh, Gavrikov and they wound up trading Jonathan Quick, by the way. Um what do you think of that? Great. Did you think they did them dirty, or is it just the yes? Yeah, this is this is just what you got to do. 
the thing is like I, I get both sides like i get both sides of that right like i get like this is a business you have to do what you have to do however the the kings just came off of a win where anze kopitar who by the way won the stanley cup with jonathan quick multiple times scored four goals that game the game ends the teams are the team gets on the bus and they call Jonathan Quick off the bus to be like, hey, by the way, we traded you and now you got to travel back to L.A. because I think they were where um, I forget where they were. It might have been like Calgary. They were in Calgary for a game and they had to travel back together and be like, yeah, you. by the way, you got traded like I don't know. I the timing was weird for, for me. Like if you're if you're going to do something like that to a guy like Jonathan Quick, who, you know, helped bring two the first two Stanley cups to Los Angeles, like you anticipate his number being retired there. You know, Dustin Brown gets a statue. You anticipate a statue coming for Jonathan quick, the, the, the Stanley cup, the only Stanley cup winning goaltender for the Los Angeles Kings. Like you expect him to be honored as a King for the rest of his life. So you would have thought so bad this year though. Like, and they're second in the Pacific. Like it, it needed, it needed to be done. I think, I think had the, the, I, it's crazy that he didn't expect it. Like with that's with exactly how much is, it. Like yes, you can be mad all you want. I I think that's a perfectly that's perfectly valid. But like he knows he wasn't good. Like he's not looking behind him every game three or four times a game and thinking this is going well. You know, no, for, you don't right. have to look at the numbers. Like he's for how many times he's digging the puck out of the net. You gotta know that you're not doing well. No, I, I agree. And, and you know, the thing is, too, like you look at the standings. If Vegas and L.A. can meet each other in the playoffs, because what ends up happening is Quick says to Columbus, I'm not staying here. There's no way. And because they're horrible and he doesn't want to be in that situation. So Vegas turns around and says, well, we need goaltending. And that's a rival to the, to the Los Angeles Kings. So could you imagine if these two face off in the playoffs like Jonathan Quick is going to in my opinion, be very spiteful and turn on his 2012 self and shut this team out. Like I could easily see something like that happening. It'd be really interesting. I'm trying to look at the divisions that, that they're in. Yeah. It's entirely possible. If, if Edmonton turns it on, they're tied in games played, but four points behind Los Angeles, they could easily swap places. And then Vegas might, you know, it depends on where everything shakes out. They could play each other in the first round. It, it could be that soon. Um, but yeah, I, I listened to a lot of stuff. You know, I, I was, I was traveling last week, so I, I had a little bit of time. So I was listening to all the recaps and everything and leading up to it and including some stuff this week. I, I'm with you. I understand both sides of it. I, like I said, I think you could be upset and mad, but you had to have expected it. Um, that was one of the rare trades. Like he went to the East and then he came back and I don't want to call that an exodus of skill. Um, cause he certainly, it's interesting that Vegas even had the room. I don't know what they had to do. And I know Mark stones out and I don't, I don't know how, for how long, but it's, uh, they, they, I don't know. They always find a way with, with the dollars and cents. They're the lightning of the, of the West that they just kind of LTIR their way to making that all make sense. But you know Horvat kind which, of kicked which, that off. You're you're correct. Before we before we hit that real quick, I I wanted to ask you about. Did you see the the memo that went out to the league in the days leading to the trade deadline about teams being under, yeah. under scrutiny for like 
circumventing the cap or whatever. Like, did you see that? So I did want to find a way to to talk about that. Yes, and it's ridiculous. And 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 for those that don't know, um, the league essentially said that they'll, they're going to be scrutinizing holding players on LTIR, you know, or trading that kind of whatever the deal was um, through to like essentially what they did, Lightning did to Kucherov. They were going to hold him out so they can yes. make a trade and then keep for the playoffs. Patrick Kane did it in 2015 with the Blackhawks. Kucherov is the most recent example that, that I suppose that we know of. Um, hell, the Avalanche, if they weren't fighting for their lives, they might they might have done it with with Lannisgog. Um but yes, what I what I found interesting in the argument that I kept seeing over and over was why is it going to be scrutinized for the teams trying to win right now? But the Coyotes are paying only paying out forty million dollars for their actual roster. The cap floor is like sixty two million or something like that. So they're allowed to launder money and have players like Andrew Ladd and Shea Weber and whomever else on injured reserve, not LTIR, not long-term injured reserve, just to reach the cap floor and then pretty much ice an AHL team and not be competitive and then collect picks to eventually win, I guess, where... So, like, I don't understand why... And the argument, again, the argument that I saw, this is not an original thought, but I agree with it. Why is it okay for one type of team to do it and not the other especially with arizona like they've made zero attempt to win in the last few years well i was like i was just i I just don't get like i was just curious to to know what did that mean like what do you mean you were going to scrutinize these teams because as much as like we might not like the fact that teams are kind of taking advantage of this loophole they're not breaking the rules I think that's the thing is they're not they're not breaking the rules and it may have just been one of those they know the news cycle moves pretty quickly and hey we're going to say this thing and we're not really going to look into it and then it's just going to go. We've already <laughs> forgotten about it. Like we're late to this so that's why we're talking about Good it a point. week later. But it's already gone. No one's talking about it. No one's Yeah, good point. No one's questioning Mark Stone. It's just that he's out, you know, just as an example, I don't really know what the extent of his injuries are. Maybe it is for all really bad, but I'm, I it's, it's gone already. Like, and that's why they did it. They didn't, I don't think there was anything in a news conference. I don't think there was anything that went really in. Like it wasn't added to the website or it just was a Twitter post. Maybe not even from the NHL account, maybe from the PR account. And it was just, (laughs) okay, this is a thing. Be prepared. That, you know, yeah. Quote: We're gonna look at it. Okay, you can look at anything. They look. They right. they look. They look at a lot of stuff. To be perfectly honest, right? Like they can. They look at every goal. Like okay, they're looking right. at it. Great. Like they haven't made the wrong call before. Like they haven't made a billion mistakes. And like, right. yeah, I trust you to do the right thing. Okay, you're definitely who the the NHL is. Definitely the league that I trust to make sure that they're not. The teams aren't screwing up. Meanwhile, they're the ones putting them in the hole. They got to jump through these hoops anyway. And they're going to scrutinize, like you said, a legal thing. Like, again, if you're going to actually scrutinize it, that that ship sailed. Now it's precedent. 
Like this is a thing that exists in this league. You have to put a rule in place to stop it. You can't just say that. So right. it may be something in, in the governor's meeting or future GM meetings or something that comes up. But for now, obviously, it's fine until it's not. But you know, as far as I can tell, um, it, it seems okay. Um, for the Islanders, now in the Metro Division did add quite a bit. Obviously, Patrick Kane and, and Tarasenko to the Rangers. And a, actually, a bunch of pieces to the Rangers. Timo Meyer to the Devils. Um, I'm sure Carolina added somebody. I can't remember. Um, maybe a goaltender. I'm, I'm not. I'm, Shane Goss to spare. That's it. Um, which did make a lot of sense from, um, from the Coyotes. That's uh, I almost said the Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes. Um, that that made sense. And Pittsburgh, uh, they got Michael Granlin, I think. Um, which was a weird move. I'm not entirely sure what the the end goal is there, considering he's not been great, but maybe they just didn't have a lot of options and he was the the path of least resistance to do something, considering what everyone else is doing. But uh, part of what everyone else was doing was the Islanders getting Pierre Engball. Um, trying to separate what we've seen from him over the last, maybe when he's played two or three games with the Islanders. What did you think of the trade at face value before he played a game with the Islanders. Yeah, I, I actually really liked that deal. They, they didn't give up really anything for, for a guy who's already in the NHL and brings up, you know, a couple of things that the Islanders were lacking speed, um, size. Um, you know, he's not like a, this offensive juggernaut, you know, he's, he's just a, a, a guy who can skate the puck well in transition. He's defensively sound. One of the big things that Lane Lambert was clamoring about that the Islanders lack is the ability to move the puck out of their own end uh, uh, cleanly, and, and he can do that. So um, I thought it was a good fit. And, you know, again, for the price that they paid, like, yeah, why not? Like, you do that. So um, when, you know, when the Islanders become healthy again and Barzell and Pajor are in the lineup, he's like, going to be on the third line and that's that's perfect like right now he's playing up yeah we could we could talk about that in a, in a little bit so let's we'll, yeah we'll hold on that part but i think what was a concern was all the leaf fans saying there's a reason why he was had for the price right it was cheap but there's a reason for it he's six five you know, but he I, play that way the thing about that to me is like Look, there was obviously something that that the Islanders liked about him that they w- they went out and said, "Yeah, well, we want this guy." Look at Toronto; like they're they're top to bottom, they're they're filled with a bunch of guys who are speed and skill. You know, when you're put in a different situation and and you're in a different system, like you 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 have different qualities of your game that 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 come through in the end show. So yeah, maybe it wasn't working for him in Toronto, but he's a better fit for the Islanders, seemingly through a few games. And, you know, so, yes, Toronto fans were happy to get this guy out of their system, but one person's trash is another person's, you know, treasure. So that's how I see it in this situation. Like, he's playing pretty well for the Islanders. Like, he's shown significant speed and, and the ability to play well on his own end. And, you know, he actually looks kind of good with with Horvat and Lee, which, again, we'll talk about. But um, Oh, that didn't last long. True. Holmstrom. But, Holmstrom was put up there and 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 Lambert said that it was more a function that he doesn't know the system and it was getting late in the game and they needed 
uh, you know, they needed a goal. I, I did notice him kind of um, passing up on some hits. He, he had a few op- a few opportunities um, at the net and made a few good passes in, in kind of both of the games um, that, that he's played in. But he's definitely not playing his size. Like there was a – in the game against Buffalo, he was coming off the half wall trying to and, – and he had a, a pretty clear lane. But he let Oposo just kind of like bump him off the puck like pretty easily. And Oposo is a strong guy. I mean, you remember with him, remember him with the Islanders. Um, he's he's not he's no slouch. So I don't mean to to make that assumption. But Engvall's six five, like two twenty something. He's a big dude. It should take a little bit more than what it looked like happened. And and obviously, I'm watching it on TV. But it seemed too easy to me. Like he wasn't protecting the puck. He was not using his size and his reach to his advantage. He was just being a little too lackadaisical, which is what I heard from most Leaf people, um, the Leaf peepers, uh, after that trade. So I, I, I think again, there's just there's hits in the corner that he was passing up on in that Buffalo game that I was like, he's such a big dude. Hit him. Finish your check. Like if you're going to eventually be on the third line, you have to play physical. Zach Parise cannot be out hitting you, and he's you know the size of Theo Fleury. Um, you, you have to go out there and and play your size. Um, get in front of the net. Be ugly. Like you know, Islander hockey is not beautiful all the time. It's not the beautiful game type of type of thing from the Islanders. You you got to go out there and play ugly hockey at times. Um, so I hope he eventually gets comfortable enough, like you said, and switches over from maybe that Leaf style to the Islanders, where maybe he was can get that unlocked, you know. And uh, I saw over and over that he has all the tools in the world. Hopefully, Lambert and the Islanders can unlock that from him. Additionally, because that was the only move, um, the only other move that the Islanders made. Horvat, number 14, Bo Horvat, has now played 14 games with the Islanders. He has eight points. I believe it's something. I can't remember exactly. Maybe it's five goals, eight assists, or, or whatever. Five goals, three assists, or something like that. What do you think, kind of separating two things here as well, what do you think of the deal and the signing now? And then what do you think of his play? And was it worth all of that like and do you, do you see him kind of adding that value um over the you know over the course of his contract he'll be here another eight years yeah um i i love bo horvat i think i still think the deal was worth it i think the contract will be worth it i think you know he's he's just an uber smart player he plays a, a really smart game uh you know he's really good in his own end and chips in well offensively. Now, look, he's not lighting it up like he was in, in Vancouver, but he was more well-equipped in Vancouver with, um, you know, players like Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and, and Quinn, Quinn Hughes and stuff like that. And, you know, right now he's missing a, a key component to his line in uh, Matthew Barzell, but, um, you know, still like he's a phenom in the face-off dot. Like he kills penalties. He's, uh, you know, battling for for net for presence and he's a really smart hockey player like all, all in all three zones so i i love his game i think he's part of the reason 
why the Islanders are playing as well as they're playing right now. Um, because without him, they they would be in a, my opinion, much worse spot than they are. Um, and you know, again, like once Barzell comes back, I think you're going to see those points start to come back on the board for him. Um, but I think he's been fantastic since he's arrived. I agree. He's been a beast in uh, in the faceoff dot. Even and and the team has been really good even without Peugeot, and that's really a testament to Sezikis and Horvat. And, and Nelson's no slouch. He he does a pretty good job in the dot as well. He and Barzell were really clicking. They were starting to kind of get it together. Yeah, and it's a real shame that. Barzell is still out with an injury, and it's great that they're playing well without him. I I do want to touch on that specifically later. Um, but the deal and everything in the trade, what they gave up, Bavillier seems to be doing pretty well in Vancouver, even with that the situation over there that in Vancouver with the, the way that it is, um, or at least he was to, to start. I think he had eight points in eight games um, since going over there. Um, but giving up Ratu. Um, who I'm not sure has played an NHL game in in Vancouver. I think he played uh, like plus one the or pick. Two. Yeah, plus the pick, which Vancouver then traded, I believe, maybe even to Minnesota. I can't remember who they made a trade, and they they already traded that pick away. Um, so this is maybe looking worse for them than it than it ever will be for the Islanders, um, especially depending on who that pick turns out to be. Um, for whoever got gets ultimately gets that first round pick for, from the Islanders um but the more I watch Horvat the more that I like him he he's he's a you know I eventually I think he'll have an A for the Islanders I think he's a leader um he's a point per game this season he's, he's having a great year and he's not slowed down since getting to Long Island um and, and I think he's a huge you know obviously Sorokin the defense and so on and so forth um uh, for the honors getting to to where they are right now, but I think he's a really big reason um, that they're back kind of on track. He's, he's definitely the leader that they, that they needed to get them to this point and um, start opening up the gap really for that, that playoff race. Yeah. Um, so we had some listener, some Q and a, and I, I kind of sprinkled them in here um, depending on what we were talking about and not as to not leave them to the end. Typically we leave them to the end and we answer the questions already. So I wanted to bring up the questions ahead of time. Um, John Filippelli's always been great. Longtime listener um, always kind of puts in questions when you put a Q&A out. He asked, do you think Lou made a mistake not trading some of the bets at the trade deadline, uh, not trading Varley? Um, he said, I think not trading Varley was the biggest mistake because they don't have many back-to-backs and they could ride Sorokin. Um, what do you think about that? I think there's there's kind of a lot to be said about it and especially a week later where the Islanders are and their pace the rest of the way or what it seems to be that opinions could change from in that week he did just ask this question earlier today but what what's your take on it and did that change maybe from a week ago to today no I feel the same way I I don't think that they should have traded him away if their plan was to make the playoffs just because of the pure fact that look if and again he could play zero games between now and then and it would still be worth it 
just because of the fact that if Ilya Sorokin winds up going down and getting hurt, having Semyon Varlamov as your backup, you're getting starting goaltender quality out of a quote unquote backup. So, you know, you, you, if you're in the playoffs and, and you want to, you know, go at least to a, a, another round, you're going to need goaltending. Like when you don't have goaltending, unless you're the 2022 Colorado Avalanche, you're not going to win. Like the, the 2022 Colorado Avalanche were an anomaly. That's not a comparison that you can make and say like, well, they didn't have it. They also scored like seven goals a game. Like it was insane. So um, you need a, you need a starting goaltender. And if again, Sorokin goes down, there's something to be said about your own rental, right? Even if he does become your own rental, that's okay. Because again, they're, they're gearing up for a playoff run. Clearly at this point in the season, they believe that they can get there and, and, it's starting to show in the standings, right? They're collecting those points. They're believing in themselves, right? And and let's see what happens when they get even healthier too. Like they're actually not far off from possibly catching the Rangers in, in, in for third in the Metro because they're kind of falling a little bit. Um, we'll see what happens there because they're getting a little bit healthier. Keandre Mills coming off of a uh, uh, suspension, but um, now you you need you need Varlamov in the tandem if you're going to the playoffs they thought they were yes they could have gotten something for him um but you know they thought it was more worth it to hold on to him and go to the playoffs even if that meant he walked and you know again ownership wants a playoff series in this brand new building that was part of the decision here too so um and and you know to to sum up he's also said he wants to stay so i i wouldn't put it past him to sign for 50 percent of what he's making now so that was exactly what I was going to say was when before the trade deadline, he was asked, you know, do you want to be traded or what do you think about the upcoming deadline? And he said, do I want to be traded? Absolutely not. I want to stay with this team. I love this team. I want to stay here and resign. And Breaking news. Player comes to Long Island, wants to stay on Long Island. Yes. I mean, and it's a good team and he's, you know, good friends with Sorokin and they're a really good tandem and, and this year, you know, what did I what did I say all last summer? Um, Varlamov played 31 games last year. He was 10, 17, and 2. And he needed to reverse that. He needed to find a way if he was going to play around 30 games, which I don't even think he'll get that close, honestly. Um, he started 29 last year. He started 20 so far now, and they have 17 games left. He may play seven more games. Um, if especially if they're towards the end of the season, maybe he'll play a little bit more just to rest Sorokin. Although they do have some time in between games, um, so he may not need that. But you do want your backup goalie. That you know, we saw um, Sorokin had to go in for Varlamov in his first season, and um, and and all of that. So it's it's possible. You know, you want your goalies to have have some reps. You don't want anyone going in having not played for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, uh, of course, that of course is you know different in in the playoffs themselves. But this season, he's it's not dazzling, but it is a reversal. He's eleven seven and two, um, and he's you know his his save percentage is point three better. Um, I'm sorry, his goals against is point three better, and his save percentage is is up point uh, oh three, which isn't which isn't great. But um, the others did win go on, almost winless in January and it had nothing to do with the goaltending even when Sorokin wasn't playing 
at his best. I wouldn't point to those losses and say that they were either of those players' fault. But yeah, of course, 50% for Verlamov for next year to have that tandem. We've seen how important that is for all of the good teams, save for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who just ride Vasilevsky into the ground like a 1999 Toyota Camry. NASA Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet at up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. You know this summer, we're going to bet on Aaron Judge, who just re-signed with the New York Yankees, to hit plenty of home runs. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you'd like. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Even going as far as to say not trading Mayfield was, you know, was also good. I, I think that's that's kind of easy to say, and the defense has kind of gotten it together at this point, where um, they're they're slowly kind of coming together. Do you think that was also a good move? And even because we discussed beforehand, if that had happened, it was just a matter of assets to then go get something else. Maybe whether that was an angle or whatever, I don't know what Mayfield would have fetched on the trade market. Was that they had a lot of depth on the back end? They had Wotherspoon and um, Shalovsky and Bolduc, who all looked really good. Did was Mayfield and and Grant Hutton, um, who most recently went in for Mayfield last season, um, and and it was pretty seamless. And he's a few years younger. Do you think that was the right move to just keep him? And this is the veteran decor and the players that we have, or? Was that kind of a missed opportunity to kind of make up maybe even a second round pick? Tell you what, I think it was the right move to keep Mayfield. I think it was the wrong move to not add a defenseman. Yes, they have the depth. But if I'm not mistaken, Shane Gott's despair went to Carolina for a draft pick. Maybe what's his um what's his cap more? hit? I'm, I'll I'll look it up, but the, the, yeah, the I, fact that, that, that may have been the problem. The thing for me is that a lot of general managers got creative at this deadline, so cap hit wasn't even an issue if you wanted to do something like that. A lot of teams were willing to broker uh, contracts and and hold some money because of pending UFA status, yada yada, and it didn't take a ton to make these deals. Like Patrick Kane went for nothing the rangers like and the wild even wound up chikrin. taking like a right chikrin oh my god that deal um went for nothing so like if you were gonna get a a cheap puck mover shane goss's bear is someone that they probably should have tried to get and look i don't i don't see why they couldn't have beaten the offer right do do you have the trade up the compensation no, but he, his cap, he's in the last year of his contract at four and a half. 
and his his bonuses were already paid, so his like actual dollars that they were worried about the actual dollars is very very low. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't know the trade that the trade up I I was I was looking at cap friendly, but I agree that they should have added a defenseman. Um, it didn't need to be Gossespierre. Oh, I'm sorry, it didn't need to be Chikrin, but it could have been someone like Gossespierre, and the. The deals were not as rich as as I thought. Kind of anywhere from Patrick Kane to Chikrin, um, even Gossespierre and, and a couple other players. It it didn't seem like the market was that that expensive. I think the Islanders are they recognize a little bit that they don't even have that much, even the cheap stuff at a certain point to to just hand out. They are they were pretty tapped at, at this point. So, like I said, I don't really know what the the trade is for Gossip's beer, but it's entirely possible the honors could have got. But you know, the they went out and got Angball and it, and that was that was a good enough move as far as depth. Hopefully okay. Brazil and Pedro can come back. They got him for a 2026 third round draft pick. Yeah, I think you do that. Just that? Just the pick? Just the pick. And in three years. So you're looking did, at a did Arizona point. like also retain? Uh, I don't think they did. Looking at it now, I don't think they did. No. Wow. But a 29 year old puck moving defenseman who has 31 points in 52 games. That's a guy. I yeah, think that... like. Okay, you you want a third round draft pick in 2026 from Carolina? Well, they're, in all reality, probably a better team than we are. I'll offer you a 2025 third-round draft pick. And it'll probably end up being higher in the draft. Yeah, that would have made... Um, that would have made a lot of sense. You know, like, now now looking into that and thinking about it, it that makes me a little upset that they didn't they didn't try. I don't know. There's, there's a couple... I'm not trying to make excuses for the Islanders. Um even though I'm kind of decked out on their stuff, but we all know Islander fans are <laughs> perhaps the most critical of their, of their own team. Um, but I will say this, they're at, they're at 45 of 50 contracts. Now, some are coming off the books this summer. They can do some other trades. Some people might just be coming back. Barlamov, Mayfield, so on and so forth. Even, even Engvall at this point. Um, so, Maybe that has something to do with it. Their reserve list is fine. They have 59 out of 90 um, slots on that. So I, I I think on the high end in this league is like in the 70s. Um, but contracts is is tough. And they're 45 out of 50. I, I'm not exactly sure. But I think you do it, right? He's the UFA. Ankvold is also UFA. You, you just ride into the sunset. You win a cup, no one cares. If, if they leave af- if afterwards, right? Like look at the Toronto Raptors. Yep. You know they they win that, and what's his name? Kawhi Leonard is left. It's yep. so much easier to swallow that when when you have a championship. It's that Patrick Waugh thing. As a star, I couldn't hear him. I have Stanley Cup rings clogging my ears. That's I mean, it's only one, but <laughs> if if you can get if you can get that far, no one cares. No one's yeah, no, I, no one's thinking about that. Wholeheartedly agree. Um. Canadian Isles fan also asked, you know, regarding the trade deadline and then 
Angval's couple of games. Based on Angval getting benched last night, do you think it's uh, Angval and Bailey sitting out when Pajot and Barzell return? I do want to make, just because you did touch on this before, I do want to make a distinction that, as we said, um, and as Lambert said, that Angval was not benched. Yes, his ice time went down, but they were trying to score a goal, and he's learning the system. Taking him out of the lineup a little bit yeah. and moving from up on that line. As much as Holmstrom's been inconsistent, um, he has shown the ability to score a goal in, in tough situations, and, he, and he's got good hands when he shows up. It's a lot like Engvall, um, at least what we've been told about Engvall. Um, has all the tools, just has to put it together, is, is the bottom line on that. And that's yeah. essentially Holmstrom as well who doesn't always show up with that right tenacity, but perhaps a different conversation. Um, you, you started to gun. I cut you off earlier about this. What do you, so, you know, fingers crossed, Pejito is skating. We're not sure as of right now, if he's traveling with the team to Pittsburgh um, or yeah, it, it, on, on the way to, on the way to Pittsburgh. Um, Barzell is not skating yet with the team. Best we know. When those two players do come back, what do you think the roster, at least the, yeah, what do you think the roster looks like? Because it affects the top six and the bottom six. Yeah, you know, I've I've said all along that like, look, I think that Holmstrom has been good in spurts. I think that he's also had some issues that um, need to be you know worked on or or addressed, if you will, and um, you know. I if I were the Islanders, I wouldn't have sent Durando down. I would have sent Holmstrom down and kept Durando. I think he should have been the guy who stuck around. So if you're asking me, I think Pierre Engvall should should uh you know stay in the lineup when uh one of those two guys come back. And uh you know then you're then you're in for a tough decision. Like who's gonna come out? Uh I could see it being Bailey. Like, you know fourth line with him on it like does that work and like look granted he scored I'd rather fashion oh, I guess he scores a big goal I, I think and I just put it in our in our notes here um Angvol Pajot Holmstrom slash Bailey and then the fourth line you know becomes the real fourth line again so right. you get like first and, out of there and first and foremost like Koivula is going to come out right so if it's Pajot coming back Koivula is going to come out Zeke is going to slide down. Pacho's back on the third line, right? Can we um, pause really quickly on Koivula? He looks like horse shit. I, I, he's been in this organization for so long. He is terrible. Yeah, I know I'm great. a beer leaguer, right? Like I'm not in the NHL, but <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, it's so hard to watch him. He doesn't like. Granted, he has not played a lot of NHL games. But he just looks lost out there, like he he can't even keep, he can't keep up with the pace. He yeah, was out there with it's... Bailey and Holmstrom, and it was the worst line I've seen by the Islanders in years. They were so bad against the Sabers, who were, I guess, okay, but like they were getting hemmed in. It was terrible. Right. Yeah. No, I I agree. Like I, Ottawa is a career AHLer, so it, it's. It's clear as day, and you know. So when Sezikis, uh, I'm sorry, when Peugeot comes back, Sezikis will slide down, and and Peugeot will take his spot. When, you know, when um, 
Barzell comes back, it looks like, you know, on the, the right wing right now, our, uh, RW1 is Engvall, 2 is Palmieri, 3 is Fashing, 4 is Bailey. You could just see everybody in that pecking order just take a step down uh, when Barzell returns. You know, granted, maybe Engvall drops to the line 3 um, and Fashing to line 4 and Palmieri stays on line 2 um, and Barzell takes his spot back on, on line 1, but that's that's the way I see it, you know, possibly going down. Now, Again, I'm going to advocate for, you know, when that happens, right? When when Pajot's back, Martin's going to go down to the fourth line. The fourth line will return to its almost um, rightful place with with Fashing in the mix there, and, and that that left wing three spot is open. And look, I I watched Durando in person the other night. Um, Watching his game closely, at least for the, the the short time he was up with the uh, the Islanders, and you know, paying attention to what he's doing down in Bridgeport, he's got like I think he's played like three games since he's been returned, maybe four. He's got like three or four goals. You know, he's playing really well, and, and he has that that speed and and um, you know, uh, electricity that this team needs in in the lineup, and I just think that. He, you know, when he, he just naturally fits so well, like he, he yeah, I don't I, know why I you're think... not switching Holmstrom and, and Durando because Holmstrom's waivers exempt, just throw him down or That's if you what have I mean. a spot on your roster, you know, or it doesn't look like they do, but yeah, just, just put Holmstrom down. Durando just had that, that speed and tenacity, like you said, and he, at, he feels like a guy who some of these guys just need a chance and when they get it, they, they take it. And, and I, it felt like he was building the momentum on that. Like he, when he was, yeah. he was on an, an emergency recall to begin with. Then he was upgraded to a regular recall. And I was like, this is the right move. I think they're going to keep him around because of that. And then he was surprisingly one of the three guys um, that I think they, they sent down Koivula, Holmstrom and Durando together uh, before the, the trade deadline, which was telling me that, I thought they had another move in there in their back pocket, which they did. It was Engvall, but um, Durando. They can send down Koivula and bring Durando back up for the playoffs. Now they have a taxi squad and and kind of all of that, but um, or uh, the Black Aces. But I mean, you could do that now. And when Pajot comes back, there's just no reason to have a guy like Koivula around. But there might be a reason to have a guy like Durando and. The Islanders have desperately needed a young guy to come out of nowhere in their middle six and just make a make a major impact. Like a lot of these teams, just there's a guy. It's just random guy you never heard of until that season who comes in. It's like it's uh like a college free agent that comes in. Who is that guy that that did it for the the Avalanche? He came. Was that that was that McCarr? No. Somebody had come in and like in from a, as a college free agent for Colorado a few years ago and just killed it, and they obviously didn't win the cup. But it might have the Islanders like the the Islanders just need a they need a guy like that to just kind of push them that next level, especially yeah. with the way that they're kind of waking up right now and they're they're returning to this team. What we said all season was like this team just lacks any tenacity at all. And Durando, as as far as I can tell, 
is I think he has to try way harder because I don't think he has the skill, but he has the the will. Is he could be what we thought or really wanted Bavillier to be. And on a third line, again, he makes nothing. It doesn't really even matter. Um, he's, I think he's on a, yeah, he's, he's 24. So he's, he's the same age as Bavillier. He just really has not gotten that chance in, in the, in the NHL. And he, and he makes a little bit of money. You need that player around. You need like a third liner who makes league men. Holmstrom should be that guy. And he just like has not been able to put it together on, together on a regular basis where Durando really fucking did. He looked really I, good. Yeah, no, I agree. And and again, like I said, some guys just need a chance. And I, and I felt like he was doing all of the little things right. And then doing a couple extra things that made me like, Oh, Oh, that's he, he's got, he's got it. Like you said, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily agree with, with the fact that he doesn't have the skill. I think he has the skill. Right, he doesn't have the size. I mean, there's some of it there. I'll, I'll it's that. not like, it's not like Bavillier where there was. It was very clear, like there was something there, and you saw it on a. I don't want to say a regular basis, but enough where it was very clear. With him, it seems like he's he's got to try for everything, and that's fine. That's like the other way. They they have yeah. to like scrounge and scrape for every single goal. I feel like he's really got to go out there and play above his size. Um, talk about Theo Fleury or any of those younger, those smaller players from the '90s. You really have to go out there and, and give it your all to um, to make an impact. And he was absolutely doing that. And they really, especially at his cap hit, I hate to bring it back to that, but you need those types of players. You just need somebody to come in that, even in a few years, is only going to make $2 million, you know, or something, a million and a half dollars. Um, and he might be thrilled with that just to, just to get an opportunity, and he's got to earn it. And if Lamoral has anything to say with it, say about it then that's exactly what will happen um in general though the islanders are peaking at the right time with without durando who regardless of who's in the lineup they're nine three and three in their last 15 games currently at a 92 point pace currently putting them second in the second wild card three points behind the penguins and that may change because they're playing the penguins um Tonight, as this is live, uh, and you may be listening to this, or maybe it's after the Pittsburgh game. So that may even change, where that gap between those two teams, even with Pittsburgh's game in hand, games in hand, that, that may change a little bit. So it's a, another big opportunity. The Islanders have a lot of very big games, really, the rest of the way. They have six, 16 games left. Um, I'm not sure there's a game that you could... Um, kind of chalk up as a schedule loss or anything like that. Like every single game is a, is a big game for the Islanders moving forward, especially the teams in and around them in the playoffs, because if the, the, it, the, it's kind of like when you're running away from the bear, you don't need to be the fastest person. You just don't need to be the slowest. Um, if the Islanders can be even a little quicker than Pittsburgh, the other teams around them can win. Like you don't have to score board watch. If you're ahead of Pittsburgh and that's what Pittsburgh is doing now, right? They came back, they stormed back against Columbus blue jackets the other night and won five, four, which was heartbreaking um, for, for us anyway, and, and probably Columbus as well. You can, if you could kind of best them a little bit and have them battle with those teams instead of you, 
you're you're putting yourself in a really good position. And they're on pace for just under 95 points. So there's a three point gap there in the in the projected pace, um, which which is important. And as Zach Parise said, the Islanders have some time between games. There's no excuse for them not to be rested and have that jump. Um, we saw them turn it on. It was a period late um, against the Sabers, but they did turn it on, and they were the better team, not just skill wise, but just the energy. They were um, at one point they had well more than double doubled up on shots, um, but they looked pretty good. Um, what's you know other than maybe just kind of hitting their stride and and kind of coming together and and maybe having to do that without Barzell, um, and perhaps that's answering the question for you. Has anything changed, and and who's stepping up for the Islanders right now? That you know the last fifteen games have looked the way they are. Yeah, I, you know it's funny. I, Lambert said it the other day, and I guess he was kind of right in the sense that I mean he's the coach, so he would know. But um, he said that the system hasn't changed, right? Like some some people have been bringing up to him, like, "Oh, you're playing more of a Trotzian style now," and he kind of said, "Like, well, no, we've been playing like this the whole time." It's just the little details that the, the guys have really started to pay more attention to and, and the, the little intricacies of the game that we've gotten better at. So there, there have been tweaks to the system, but it's still derived from the, the, the trots system that was in place. He's just trying to make it, you know, a, a more fast paced and, and offensive, um, I guess, offensively inclined system, if, if you will. So, um I know I just threw this into the notes like kind of halfway down, but one of the biggest factors for me is how good Alexander Romanov looks. He's been, he's definitely less of a liability. He's looking, no, no, you're underselling it. He's been a beast. Like in his last six games, he's been a beast. Hmm. He's been really good in his own end. Um, He's been moving the puck well in transition. He's now actually like chipping at a couple points here and there. Like he has three points in his last six games, which is nothing crazy but before that he had three points in his last 14 games so you know the the points are coming in a little more frequently um I, I was looking at the expected goal differential for him first of all the game against buffalo the other night he was on the ice for like 86 percent of the chances for like it was insane how well he was the, the islands were playing when he was on the ice and it, you know in, in the last uh the last goal of it it's the stretch of six games He's got like a ridiculous almost eight, like 75% expected goals for percentage. Like he's contributing to a lot more positive impacts on the ice lately than he has been in the previous like 56 games or something like that. He's paired with Ryan Pollock now. Um, I think that he's beginning to turn a corner. Like he's just been a beast. And if this is the Alexander Romanov that the Islanders are going to get, they bought low on a guy who could evolve into something like I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be a Norris guy, but like he's, he could be, if this continues, you're looking at a quality top four guy, defensive defenseman here. I think it's interesting that the, they finally did break up Pelik Pulak because I think that was a conversation that had kind of been happening and they Lambert was pretty insistent on keeping that pair together. So it's interesting that Romanov and Pulak, are the pair that's that's working and maybe Romanov needed that rock in in Pulak where Dob he instead of 
anchoring Dobson, which I think is what the conversation was last summer. That was at least how I saw it working. Yeah. It seems a little bit that maybe Romanov needed that opportunity to have somebody kind of anchor him and, and, and maybe usher him up a little bit. And again, he's got two seasons. This is his third season. If I'm not mistaken. He, he's still, he's still a young guy. You know, maybe he needed a little bit more experience to, to play beside him than, than someone like Dobson, who also is kind of working, working on that. And, and Ajo's been around um, a little bit. I know he's not terribly older than, I think maybe he's the same age as Romanov, but um, is, and that, that pair has been, working um yeah if if that's if i'm remembering correctly and that's the pair and then pelican and mayfield's like the pretty good shutdown team uh uh, tandem so i think that all ultimately works out um you know i worry about mobility but maybe that's you know romanov can skate he's a young guy and um dobson's got some wheels that you know at least it going into the offensive zone always a little harder to skate back than it is uh, when you have the puck going the other way but you know and then pelican mayfield i, th- I just i think it's a tough shutdown pair yeah, I think, no, I agree. I, ultimately that works out but to your point mobility is a little bit of an issue and this is why i said if they were gonna get anybody it should have been shane freaking gosses bear for a draft pick in the third round in three freaking years yeah and you know that that player if they're even a good player, what's that like six years away? That you know what's the in three years, and then it's gonna take them three years to develop, like at a minimum. That's a long you know what, time. Do you know what the chances are of like a third round pick playing a hundred games in the NHL? I don't know the odds. Uh, anecdotally low. Yeah, it's like you have like an eight percent chance. That's crazy. It's almost right. I don't even know how they value that when you make a trade. Like in, after in, the in first the round. Anyone after the first round is like a 14% chance to like make the NHL. That's nuts. And depending on who you're getting drafted by, that may never even happen. A lot of the other draft picks over the last like decade. Um, look at Dal Cole, look at Hosang, look at yeah. um, Imagine if all those picks you know, hit. like if all those picks hit, how different would this team look right now? If one pick hit. Like obviously yeah. Dobson, Barzell, notwithstanding, um, Strom, need a rider. Strom, I mean, I, 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 they did have really good seasons without them or with them. Even you know, even Del Cole, even though he wasn't the player that they. No, yeah, they, they, really they worked out for other be. teams. Oh, I, I mean, even, but even, um, who's on Philly now? Was that Del Cole? No, no, Bellows. Bellows, even Bellows. Oh, God, I it's it's nauseating when you go back. Every once in a while, I'll do that on Hockey Reference, and just like I don't even some of the players like you never even heard of. Yeah, um, and I feel like we're pretty close. Like we're no we're no Mitch Andersons, but like we're pretty close. We know first round picks, and for the last time, I'm like I don't know who any of these players are. Like they they <laughs> never even sniffed the NHL, and the ones that did. Again, I even say I don't. Even, I don't really even want to look at that page. But save for Barzell and Dobson, like who who really made the team and and stuck around? Right, Bavillier, and he wasn't even what we fully needed him to be. Not even just from draft position, just any kind of consistency. He certainly was in the playoffs, but not in the regular season. And the Islanders only had two or three playoff runs with him. Or uh, maybe, uh, sorry, four playoff runs with him, which is 
a lot, but not not enough to obviously not make him a trade asset um, and want to keep him around. But either way, um, anything else on that front? Stepping up, obviously, Sezikis and, and Fashing have been a great pair. They connected for a goal, even if it was uh, not an accident, but not directly on purpose with Fashing hitting the side of the net uh, and the puck just going right to Sezikis and uh, Uka Pekalukanen kind of being out of position a little bit and uh, the puck sneak through the five hole to to get that second goal for the Islanders. Palmieri looks good. Yeah, he looks uh, great. He's stayed uh, pretty consistent. And again, he's kind of crash and bang. He, he's not as silky as maybe even he wants to be. And, you know, he's in his 30s, so that that's it's bound to happen. But he's still got the energy. Every once in a while, he's really pulling out the stops with with some moves and, and being able to move the puck around. And, and he and Nelson seem to be really connecting. And obviously Parise is a beast. So um, if not for Sorokin, maybe the, the best Islander this, this season, honestly, and maybe the last two seasons as far as consistency is concerned. Um, and, you know, it's because Barzell has kind of been all over the map for me. And I've, I've had, uh, you know, some criticism for him, but Parise seems to be not slowing down and, playing well with Nelson and, and Palmieri. Any, anything else on that front for you that that's kind of standing out? No, I think you're right. Like Palmieri looks really good. Lee and Nelson continue to play well. We spoke about how much we love Horvat. Um, I mean, like Hudson Fashing is another guy who like crash and bang, but also like he does things like he did last night where he scores game winning goals, which can we, can we talk about that game winning goal real quick? Cause there was a lot of controversy about if it was a kicking motion or not. Yeah, go go for it. I have so, I had like two seconds of thoughts on it, but yeah. So like this, there's a very clear difference between a distinct kicking motion and like what he did, and like there is a there's an argument to be made here where like last night, um, you know when when I was covering the Devils, um, Timothy Liljegren, you know he was playing the puck with his stick, and when he like kind of tucked his elbow, hit Miles Wood right in the face. It should have been an elbowing call, but it went uncalled, right? And the, the debate was like, well, even accidents get called as penalties because you're not supposed to do it. And right, I'm I'm all I'm there for that, right? I, I hear that side of the argument. However, right, Hudson Fashing, when he received that pass, wasn't attempting to kick the puck, right? He was just attempting to stop the puck. Like his momentum was carrying him, right? He just lifted his leg. So he wasn't making a kicking motion. He was just his momentum was being carried with him. And the puck happened to deflect off of his leg and go into the net. There was no kicking motion. His body was just moving in that direction. So like and it all sounds so silly because this is what replays do. And when they when they slow things down, it goes it does it no justice um, because it just looks even worse than it actually was in real time because Hudson Fashing wasn't playing soccer. He's not Pele out there where he was trying to make this ridiculous soccer uh, um, uh, like kick to, to score a goal. It just it, it was too fast for, right. for that kind of a thing to unfold. Nobody's thinking the game that quickly unless your name is Connor McDavid. Um, so I, it, to me, it was pretty clear that he was just trying to receive the pass with his skate as most players do because it wasn't a perfect pass. Um and it just happened to, you know, go in the back of the net. And it looks like Toronto agreed. So, like, yeah, what's the I, argument here? There were a lot of um, 
instant reactions kind of going both ways. Ultimately, it made more sense after, I don't want to say an explanation, but maybe just the broadcast kind of um, explaining it a little bit better. I I wasn't sure. I kind of seen those go both ways. Um, it did again. You're you're right in that the the replay and the slow motion definitely doesn't do it justice. In that it does kind of look like a kick, but I don't think where the only thing I'll disagree with you on is I don't think he was trying to get it to a stick because there was no space to do that. The puck was too high. It was going to hit him in the thigh, and then it hit him in the middle of his calf after he raised his leg or, you know, in his shin. I think he was just trying to redirect it. I think he was just, I'm I'm going to get my body in front of it and whatever happens. And it happened to go in the net. There, there was no space there um, unless he just redirected it into the net. Um, I was surprised because it it's... It was overturning the on-ice call. That was the concern for me. It was, I don't think it's a kick either, but I can understand how it's tough because they're only going to slow it down to look at the details. That was ultimately what I didn't think would work. But seems seems as if that wasn't too big of an issue because it wound up being a goal and and, the, and it stood to be the game winner for for the Islanders. So... However, whatever his intention was, I think is irrelevant. Um, I am, like I said, I am surprised that they overturned the on-ice call. I thought that was really hard to do. And given that they've, I feel like, made mistakes, as you said, sometimes they miss things, the Toronto, whatever, that didn't seem like they would just get it right. They very rarely take that much time and go through that and then actually get it right. It's usually just like us a split hair difference in something. And you're like, I, that could still be either way. Like, I don't know what kind of conclusive evidence that you have one way or another, but either way counts as a goal. Um, I do want to end on the Islanders and the, and the Stabers and the ESPN broadcast, the ESPN analysts during the show. I don't know if you, if you caught this had some harsh yeah. words, for the Islanders, but I do want to preface this with PK Subban then tweeted out um, afterwards that he did choose in the beginning of the broadcast who some fans may not have seen that he did choose the Islanders and, and talk them up quite a bit um, at the beginning of the broadcast, choosing them to be in the wild card spot and, and saying that they play a playoff hockey all year round. Um, what did you think? I uh, kind of on both sides of that. What do you think of the comments when, you know, PK's just being a smart ass and falling asleep and, um, or, you know, fake and falling asleep. What, what, what do you think about that? Are we I over it? That, I think that we complain that there's no personality in the game. And then when somebody shows an ounce of personality, we complain that they're showing personality when it affects the team that they like. I wish we could just end the show right on that. Yeah, it's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, he's poking fun at us at Eye on the Fans and the team and, um, I think that's spot on. Like I understand, right? Like I I understand that. Like you're like, oh, that's my team. Like don't poke fun at my team, but don't turn around tomorrow and be like, oh, boring, boring NHL doing boring NHL things on on ESPN when it's about the Blackhawks. Like y- yeah. you have to like if look, you 
do are any Islander fans innocent? Have none of you ever poked fun at another team? I mean, especially the New York Rangers. Like, I get it, rivalries exist, but the fact of the matter is that like you you want more fun in the game. Like, don't complain when people do things that are funny and and draw attention to the game. Like, oh, we're supposed to be growing the game. Yeah, personalities grow the game, and like that's what PK Subban is. That's what Ryan Callahan was trying to be. You don't yeah. like it? Flip the channel. And it's not for you, right? I, yes, they're making fun of your team in this particular instance, but adding that personality, and even you can go as far as to say Wes McCauley or even Butcher Gross. Yeah. A lot of people kind of deep into podcasts and writing and media um, pull, like to poke fun at Butcher Gross and even Wes McCauley. It's just not for you, man. It's just not for you. And I'll say this too. I think that I think that the first time that this happened, where the Islander Islanders, uh, uh, I guess, game it's, it's itself, the system, the team was called boring. I think Islander fans reacted right the first time. They embraced it. Printed the T-shirts. Right. Carolina did the same thing. Bunch of jerks. Where did that start? Right. Started on a broadcast. Bunch of jerks. Embraced it. Right. Don't. Don't start complaining because, again, you want poor, you want the game to be more exciting. You want more fun. And then the second somebody does something funny, you're going to complain about it. Come on. Let's be yeah, better I, people. Let's have thicker skin. I definitely, definitely agree. That doesn't make as good of a T-shirt, but thick skin does not make as good of a t-shirt um, <laughs> idea than than boring hockey does, but it's I I understand that's not the point. Um, yeah, I agree. Like I said, I I think it's just it's just not for you, and all that stuff like the butcher cross stuff is really annoying. I I I don't enjoy it. Um, it's almost disappointing, honestly, and it's ruining the nostalgia of the whole thing because I really did really enjoy it when I was younger. And as a kid, and I wake up and watch NHL tonight and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I really don't enjoy it as an adult, or maybe it's worse than it was. And it was never quite this kitschy. Um, even Steve Levy, uh, just because I don't watch ESPN. So these personalities kind of come on and uh, all this stuff. Yeah, it's is the, the Wes McCauley thing. Is it cringy? Absolutely. You know, but I, I don't care. At least it's something. The players aren't going to do it on the ice, so you may as well have it in the broadcast. Um, and maybe it maybe it attracts somebody. Maybe you start a rivalry with another fan because they agree with Subban and they just hate the Islanders, and that's like half the fun. You hate there's thirty other thirty one other teams you hate. Like you're, you're just not everyone's going to be a fan of the thing that you like. Um, in this particular case, it's yes, I I, I completely agree. Um, big game in Pittsburgh on Thursday or tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Um, hopefully they can pull out another win and uh, continue to take advantage of their days off moving forward. Uh, the weeks are going to go really quick. The end of March is going to be here uh, before we know it, and they have they have a few games in the beginning of April. I'm hoping to catch one myself in person at UBS. Hopefully it's in a playoff push. Um big stretch coming up like Pittsburgh you have to beat tomorrow or tonight Washington that like they've thrown the towel in beat them 
LA is a good test, but you have to beat Anaheim. You have to beat San Jose, you know, because then you get you get Toronto, you get Buffalo again, you get New Jersey again. It doesn't get easier. It doesn't. Um, Although I will I will say this, this the strength of schedule for the rest of the season amongst the wild card teams is actually in favor of the Islanders over the majority of the rest. I think they were like second best strength of schedule. Yeah, if they went ten two. and six, I think they're they still do pretty well depending on who they beat. Yeah. Um even if it was just the teams below them in the standings that they beat. Um, which is the teams they need to, right? They don't necessarily need to beat the teams ahead of them outside of Pittsburgh, who they play once or twice more, um, including the game on, on Thursday. Pittsburgh is just once. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's Washington that's twice, but that now that is a little less relevant. But um, yeah, they sold off, and and they're 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 interesting and. Um, the Toronto's and the the Devils and and L.A. are really good tests, and that West Coast trip's not going to be easy. They do have some time in between, and they play the Capitals this Saturday, so they play the Capitals three times for the season, and those are always tough games. That's a, there's yeah. a little bit. I don't want to say there's a rivalry there, but they're always they're always spirited spirited games, and it could be six uh, six points that the Islanders can just kind of put in the bag there, um, and then. Yeah, they 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 have a tough time going on that West Coast trip. That's that's never really easy, but um, it's their last really big road trip um, of the season. So it's it's a test for them. I think this the rest of the season is going to be like that. So um, our shows will be interesting. Hopefully, we'll we'll have a lot to talk about over the next six seven weeks um, before hopefully uh, the playoff run. Uh, we've had playoff runs in uh, two out of three seasons. Hopefully, we can make it a three out of four and go deep into the spring with uh, with plenty of eye on the hockey to watch and, and talk about here. Um, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Nesman Hockey. You can find James' work at the fourth period. Make sure you subscribe to Isles Fix. Uh, pick up the new book. Check out the article on NHL.com. Hopefully, we'll have Mr. Joe Bono on soon and like i said subscribe to their daily newsletter james bring us home buddy until next time all let's go islanders